Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 99. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. We're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week, we're watching James Wan and Lee Whannell's 2004 debut, Saw, which comes to us from HBO Max. I say James Wan and Lee Whannell because Lee Whannell is the screenwriter, James Wan is the director. It's both of their first feature, and they saw themselves as a filmmaking team. I was going to say, they're very, from what I read about this movie, they're very much like, this is our, our baby. Absolutely. They made a short film of it together. Did they go to film school together? Yes. Okay. They're both Australian. Fascinating. And part of their deal was that Lee Whannell had to star in this, and they wrote it, and James Wan directed it. Gets a a film by James Wan in his directorial debut. Absolutely wild. Obviously, uh, the two of them have gone on to great success in horror, and just in general. We talked about uh, another collaboration of theirs, Dead Silence. Mm -hmm. Previously on the podcast, Lee Whannell directed... The Invisible Man last year, a movie that I know the two of us really liked. I really loved. I think it's pe- well well beloved by most people, mm-hmm. I think. James Wan, on the other hand, has sort of moved away from horror. He makes Aquaman movies now and Fast and the <laughs> Furious movies. Uh, uh... But obviously, like, the insidious conjuring verse that he has set up mm-hmm. and is now... Do people call that something? I think it's the conjuring verse. Conjuring verse? I think the insidious movies are just the insidious franchise. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. James Wan is massively wealthy... Not just because he directs Furious 7 and Aquaman, but because he uh, put into place a million Annabelle sequels. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, like, is the creator of, like, I would say the biggest horror franchise verse right now. Absolutely. No question. No question. With the the nun. Isn't the nun part of that as well? The nun is part of that as well. Annabelle, The Conjuring. It's all there, you know? There's a third Conjuring coming out this year. Yeah. I never saw the second one. Neither did I. <laughs> I personally love The Conjuring. I think it's the one James Wan movie I really love. You uh, know what's a massively successful franchise to get this back on track? Saw. Is Saw. <laughs> this is the film that started it all. Uh, we will talk a little bit about the Saw franchise a little later. If you stick around towards the end, we'll talk about our plans for that. But this is the original. Made on a budget of $1.2 million. Really? Some, where, some where did that money go? <laughs> kids out of film school, breaking into Hollywood, making probably the horror film that has like loomed largest over the 21st century. Like The Conjuring, I agree, is like bigger now. And something like, I think the only real contender is Paranormal Activity in terms of like wow. what infiltrated pop culture consciousness beyond horror fans. Yeah. I think that Saw gave quote unquote torture porn like a mainstream platform yeah. in a way that like hostile would not have on its own. No, I'm just I I don't want you to be right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else. <laughs> You're saying of the 2000s, yes, like that yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh god. So it's big. I know. I think you're right even though I don't like that. Well, sounds like you're getting ahead of the question, which yeah. is Liz, would you recommend this movie to our listeners? Uh, no. <laughs> if you haven't seen Saw for the record, I've, like Well, yeah, I mean, well, I hadn't. So there's sure. that. I'm a huge horror fan. We oh, really? all know this. Yeah. I have a podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. I should listen to it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I love horror and I love horror movies and I had never seen Saw. I'd had someone in college tell me the twist of Saw, which we'll get to that, but they lied to me. So very interested. <laughs> trying to remember who that was so I can go ask them what they were thinking. Um, 
So I had never seen this because I was like, I know the twist. I got it. I'm not into this kind of movie, really. Mm -hmm. There's no need for me to see it. So, like, if you're that person, if you're like, I've gone however many years of my life, I've never seen it, I don't know that you necessarily need to. I think I could have gone the rest of my life without seeing this. But on the other hand, it is, as we discussed in this podcast before, I am a completionist. I like the idea of even if I don't like these movies that I'm watching, at least I am expanding my horror knowledge and being able to speak um, with authority. authority. Um, so if that's you, uh, then yes, I would recommend it because I, like, I, I'm glad now that I know it and can speak to it. How about you? You've seen it before. Yeah. I don't know that I needed to rewatch it. I, <laughs> this loomed a bit larger in my memory than it held up on rewatch for me, which is not to say that you ever like loved it or that this was a complete waste of time. Sure. I feel like it's pretty middle of the road. That being said, I think that you have to have a certain taste for a certain kind of horror movie to really dig this. And to be fair, some people really do. I don't think we're going to sit here and like completely eviscerate this, even though I think if you can't read between the lines, um, neither of us had like a great time with this, with this watch, (laughs) but there are interesting things here. Absolutely. No question. Absolutely. And it makes sense that it spawned the franchise that it did. Mm-hmm. And yet, this is kind of a janky, not that great movie. Yeah. I actually would say that I think that the script is better than the filmmaking, mm-hmm. in my opinion, but the script is still not fantastic. <laughs> there's some... There's some issues. There's some things wrong with that, I would, I would say for sure. But I also have some thoughts based on some of the things I've read that I'd like to bring to your attention that I didn't notice that kind of make the movie a little bit better for me. So there's also that. Interesting. Yeah, I think that in terms of in terms of story, it's good. In terms of actual like dialogue and plotting and progression, I think that it's got some huge structural problems. It's a good idea. Absolutely. And the way that the idea unfolds, I think, is pretty good. And again, it's a good enough idea that it makes sense that there's now nine of these. That like the the serial killer who puts people in positions to orchestrate their own demise either by failure uh or just pure insanity of the situation yeah you either you either have to get out of it by changing yourself fundamentally as a person or you die right you have to like if you live you're gonna live changed forever which is a very and that's his that's good idea that's his we learn that in this film i guess Spoilers, if you care about the plot of Saw and you haven't seen it and you actually do want to check off that box without having it spoiled for you, I'd say we'll spoil it more accurately than whoever told Liz in college about the twist. (laughs) Maybe I'll lie and I'll just pay it forward, (laughs) the lie of the twist. Could you imagine? (laughs) Uh, Just go ahead and go watch it again. It's on HBO Max. Uh, But if not, I think that the the way that it is explained in this film that he is... Jigsaw, our our killer, is trying to get people, inspire people in his perverted way to live life to the fullest, to take advantage, to appreciate life by putting them in these insane situations is an interesting idea for a horror villain, right? Because it's the kind of thing where from the 10,000 foot view, we understand like that killer's motivation and then we can delight in them taking it to these perverted extremes. He's perverted twice very quickly there. Because I would say all of the traps that he creates in this movie, I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Although they were all done in really interesting ways. We see probably four. 
Uh, it depends on your definition of trap, but yeah, like four right. or five. Yeah. yeah. And I really found them all very interesting. And like just the, um, the little puzzle, I mean, he's Jigsaw, right? The little puzzle of like, you need this key, it's here. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? What are you going to gonna do? And I, and I also think that like what we see immediately, not immediately, we see when we, um, start looking at these other traps is that what we're seeing, what we're introduced to is the next step up, which is introducing two people into the equation, right? Yes. Two living people. Because yes. before that, we've only seen Don't say one before person. that. We, we as audience have not seen it. Right. The, the, the once police we see officers it, investigating Yes. It. Once we see the past ones, we realize that this is an escalation for him. Yes. Which I think, you're we're dancing around a little bit, you're already scratching at one of my problems with this film structurally, which is, let's just get into it. Let's talk about yeah, the plot absolutely. insofar as we're going to. Um, two men wake up in a room, Lee Winnell, who plays Adam, who is a photographer, and Dr. Lawrence Gordon, played by Carrie Elwes, each are chained to a pipe. Lee Winnell wakes up in a bathtub. Um, we see in the opening to the film... Uh, Again, I don't think that anyone's going into Saw blind in 2021, but we see the key that can free him go down the drain in the opening sequence of the film. Um, So we know, even though he doesn't necessarily know that he is already screwed. Like, there's just no question. Um, The two of them are chained to pipes on the opposite side of the grimiest, nastiest bathroom. Disgusting. Uh, In between them lies a man who has blown his brains out in a pool of blood on the floor. He's got a gun in his hand. He's got a gun in his hand, yeah. Um, and they can't reach each other. They're probably, I don't know, 12 feet apart. Uh, if they probably, like if they stood at the end of their chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're probably 12 feet apart and they don't know why they're there. And they learn very quickly from the envelopes they find in their pockets that contain tape recorders or tape cassettes Mm -hmm. and the tape recorder that they end up getting from the dead man lying on the floor, um, that they have been put here to play a game. I feel so silly like we're talking about Saw. Like, people I know. know what it is, but like, like, have you heard of the movie Saw? Yeah, it just feels so ridiculous. So they're here to play a game. Dr. Lawrence Gordon has to kill Adam. Adam has to, quote, take control of his life. Um, is he going to sit there and let himself die like the voyeur that he is? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to do something about it? Uh, Lawrence Gordon, Dr. Gordon, Carrie Elwes, I'm going to call him 15 different things. Yeah. Larry. Ha- Larry has to kill Adam by 6 p.m. And he, has a, and he has a bullet. He has a bullet. They have a clock on the wall. He's got six until 6 p.m. Over the course of them yelling at each other and finding a few clues. Oh, and his wife and child are in danger, yes, too. That's, it's that's, like, that's, if you don't kill them, we'll kill, I will kill your wife and daughter. Yes. And, Classic. Uh, it becomes apparent pretty quickly that, like, this is not a bluff. The wife and daughter are actually kidnapped. Yeah, there's a picture of them. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't, as we go through this, I don't want to talk about all the clues. I know I said this on our last episode about As Above, So Below. There are fewer clues in this film, but even so, I think the plotting of, like, X marks the spot means that there's a light that they have to turn off. It, the way it's doled out is, like, a little clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, not Again, not that it's, like, totally bad, but that if we, on this podcast, were to trace A to B to C, I feel like it would take us longer than is satisfying to listen to. Yeah, I agree. But that's the situation that they're in. The core of this film is the two of them in that room, trying to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. yelling at each other. They're not very messages. good at figuring out this stuff. And it's also less of a puzzle and game than I went into this expecting. And then I think Jigsaw even thinks it is. It's not a, it's not a puzzle. It's more like a game. 
It's just a battle of wills, right? Yes. There's less like, oh, putting the pieces together. There's like a couple things that are like that, which I, I do want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but mostly it's just like, are you are you a killer or are you not a killer? That's, you know, that's it. Yeah. I. Yeah. I mean, it's a game, but yes. Well, as it, so was, so you know, if I just said like, hey, either get up right now or don't. And if you get up, then I win. Like that's I mean, just it's a game. Like a staring you can contest say is a anything game. is a game, right? Sure. The other half of this movie is told in flashbacks and cutaways, where over the course of their, I don't remember what time it is when it starts. Ten something, ten thirty. Yeah, so like eight hours. They come to remember how they got here. They're goaded by phone calls and and these tape messages into revealing, you know, why the two of them are there. Mm-hmm. The gist, though, is that five months ago, Dr. Gordon was brought in for questioning because his um, pen light from his, his doctor's office was found at the scene of a crime um, set up by the jigsaw killer, as the cops are calling him, because he carves uh, a jigsaw puzzle piece out of their flesh. Uh, where this killer has been constructing elaborate situations and they're like, well, your pen is here, so it's you, which is why Dr. Gordon knows about it and can exposit to the audience who the killer is yes. <laughs> um, and his identity. But five months later, he's been brought in to this room and trapped of his own. The cops are Danny Glover and uh, Ken Lung from Lost and other <laughs> television shows. Uh, and Danny Glover, regardless of the evidence to the contrary, is absolutely convinced that it is Carrie Ellis. He's like, yeah, he's and he's now having him watched. Correct. And what is uh, our other friend Adam, but a CD photographer? Yeah. So like that's a that's a third act second. Twist. I was going to say late second act, early third act twist of um that Danny Glover has hired him to take pictures of uh, Carrie Ellis and. There's a, 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 um, his alibi is that he was like seeing another woman and also Adam captures this about him. This to me felt super unnecessary, but he's a rich doctor. So of course he has to be cheating on his wife, whatever, whatever. But also Jigsaw is abducting people and, uh, killing them. The cops at one point in flashback, because again, this happened before this end up finding Jigsaw's Lair. lair. Uh, and he's built little scale models of they have a scuffle. His plans. Ken Lung dies, and um, Danny Glover is driven mad. Well, also his throat is slashed. Yes, he has a scar on his throat. I don't know. So here's the conflict. I'll actually bring this up right now because I want I might need to bounce it off you in terms of how much we talk about. I think this film is much worse for the amount of flashbacks it has. My preferred version of this film is, if not entirely, mostly, takes place in this room. Yeah. It has, uh, and again, I'm talking about fundamentally changing it, that the puzzles are more elaborate, the clues are more complex, or that the it dialogue is... It doesn't get is... boring that they are just monologuing at each other yeah. this well, information. If the dialogue is better, right, too. Yeah. Like, if they actually have interesting things to bounce off each other, if they have interesting existential questions to ask and pontificate, which these characters kind of don't, which yeah. it makes sense for the characters that they don't, so it, like it's not... I'm not really knocking for that, but there's a lot of time we spend either in flashback of them explaining something to one another or just kind of contextless seeing other stuff going on, which I yeah, did there, not like. There gets to be a point where like 
Carrie Elwes is monologuing some of this. Yes. But then there gets to be a point where w- that's not true anymore. And we are actually just seeing outside of their the point room of view. and their point of view and seeing information they don't have. And I hate that. I really don't like you it. Have to, you have to stay consistent. I actually direct on the exact same thing where I was like, there's a version of this that's just like a play. Yeah. Where they're just in this room. And plays are two hours and take place often in one room. So like... I know that it can be done, and that would be a really interesting mm-hmm. movie. I don't think Lee Winnell can do that. <laughs> Not fresh out of film school, at least. Sure. Uh, and so, like, I I buy that maybe he... That maybe they sat down to write that. There's there's a thing in the trivia that's like, they were at a film school. They only had one room. Oh, what could they do? And I was like, I would hope actually be more creative, and maybe they only had enough ideas for a short. And then when it became a full-length film, it was like, we have to expand out of here. We cannot just have these characters... Just talking to each other. It's getting boring. Yeah. And I, and I, I get, think that, like, that makes sense. You just have a, to be a really good writer to be able to pull that off. From a 2004 Hollywood perspective, I'm not shocked that this had to get Danny Glover as a fucking cop in it. Right. Watching it now, I, like, I would cut the character entirely. I don't need the cops investigating Jigsaw. No. Right? The only purpose it serves is to give us backstory for this killer, which, again, feels like it's setting up a franchise yeah. in retrospect. And, and I do like I do like seeing the other things. Honestly, I really do like the other traps. Absolutely. I think but they're you very don't fun. Need, you don't need a, a flashback structure to tell us that. Yeah, I wonder if Jigsaw could have played them video of his past exploits our in characters, order to terrify Our them. characters don't even know it, right? So well, like, no, but if, the, if the only takes place in one room, though... You, here's the thing. You're totally right. If this were a play, absolutely. It's not. It's a film, and so it doesn't have to limit to what its characters know. That set piece mm. can be limited to it, but we could see some other stuff, right? I and, don't know. I don't know if that would work either, because I, th- I think that that still would have the same problem of, like, why are we seeing this? Well, it doesn't need to be rooted in their subjectivity, right? Like, we can see it from... It doesn't have to be even from Jigsaw's point of view, if you want to preserve what happens at the end of this. But I think that like, I agree that seeing the traps that are being investigated by the cops is good. I think that Danny Glover's character is so thin. Yeah. And he just has so little to do and he's Danny Glover. So I know a big portion of the budget went to him. Like, it's sure, just obvious. Discussed, yeah. <laughs> and like, that's frustrating. It feels wasted. That money feels wasted on Danny Glover. It doesn't need to be that. And again, I get why 2004 Hollywood felt like it needed a star to sell it. And I guess Carrie Elwes was a big I enough I think Carrie Elwes absolutely is. That's the problem I'm having But here. I just think that it's, it's a worse movie for being so scatterbrained in terms of... I agree. And I mean, even it's also, as we discussed, like told so out of order and piecemeal that like... It's not even that, like, okay, now we're taking a break from the room and we're going to just do a big flashback and then we'll yeah. catch up to where we are now. It's like we see a big catch up and then we see the scene where he and his partner find the lair, mm-hmm. like, after all that. But then it's like that's still months and months before this happens because he has to have time yes. to, like, go mad or whatever. And recover from the. Yeah, he, he gets his, fired from the police wound. force. Right, yeah. right. And, but that's like a throwaway line. And it's like, wait a second. Now it's like, how many months is this? It's just all so fragmented, and I totally agree that it's just told in utterly the wrong order and in a very weird way to preserve twists. Yeah. And I think specifically when we were watching, and I didn't really react to the, the twist that uh, Danny, Glover. Danny Glover hired him, and you were like, oh, you're not affected by that? And I was like, no, that's not even worth preserving as a twist. Who cares? We, yeah. are, we already knew he was like a little out of his mind because we've already seen that he's been watching... Carrie Elves' house at that point. Yeah. So, like, there's no 
you don't need to do things out of order to preserve that for me. It was just weird. No, I fully agree. And I think that like this movie has so many good little details, right? Like there's there's a moment where and we won't talk about all of them, but like there's a moment where Carrie Elwes finds a box with a cigarette and a note that says you don't need a gun to kill Adam and then recalls a line from earlier about um, the man in the middle, the center of the room's blood being poisoned. And then they hatch a scheme while the lights are off to pretend that he's killed Adam. And then we find out that, I mean, Adam fakes his death, right? He pretends to die from the poison cigarette. Yep. And then he gets electrocuted. And we find out that like Jigsaw has this one up on them that he had all along. Cause you, he couldn't pretend to be dead while he's being shocked. He's yeah. screaming. Uh, and that's really interesting. That's a really interesting way for that scene to play out for, um, Carrie Wills to be tempted, decide instead I'm going to continue mm-hmm. my alliance with this stranger who I know at this point has been watching me and I, I am not really happy with. Right, but it's not worth killing him. Exactly. And for that to fail, I find really interesting. I agree. That is a good mini arc in the grand scheme of your plot, especially if you're trying to keep it I agree. spicy, if you're keeping it all in one room. But right. that's just like cheapened by the amount of time we spend... Well, by a lot of things. In, in part, the performances, which I think we're also probably going to well, talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll get there. But also the amount of time we spend, like, then cutting to the wife and child who are in distress. Yeah, just, and like, just don't... It's so pointless. It's, it's so interesting to point that out because that is something that we see consistently is that this room... And this is what I wanted more of. This room is just a room, and they're, they wake up in it, and they're like, we're out of options. We have nothing. We have got nothing in this room except yeah. a few clues, and that's it. But then, like, slowly, the little things get realized. He throws, I think, the saw when it breaks, and it hits, a mirror. hits the mirror, and they realize there's a camera. And then the thing that you just said with... Um, the box. Like, it's the X on the wall is how they find the box. X marks the spot. And little things like that where it's like... And the electrocution where you can take this supposedly empty room where they have no tools and it's or and no new surprises nothing new can happen and then the movie shows you over the course of it that like actually this room is full of hidden surprises it's full of hidden treasures and and also like problems you know that they didn't realize and i think like that is how you just do this movie in two hours or in this like two hours in just this one room is you keep having this puzzle box expand and expand and expand. I mean, that's the problem. I, this movie's actually like an hour 45. It's not even a full two hours. <laughs> and I think there's like half an hour of filler. Yeah. And like this movie could be 75 minutes, yeah. right? There's nothing wrong with that. I understand why, again, I understand the context of why it was made, but like host is like 65 from last year. And we yeah, love that. Right. That like you mind. can have a short horror film. A lot of horror films are pretty short. That is just as effective. Dude, the strangers is an incredibly short. Horror yeah. Movie. It's like just 80 minutes. Maintain all the gore. Cause that's clearly a selling factor here. Mm-hmm. All of the tension, all of the messed up traps and like cut out so much of these flashbacks. The other thing that is hard to like convey is that they constantly say and show everything like three or four times. Yeah. So when a realization happens, it cuts back to the dialogue and often it, it does like a quick montage. This movie's obsessed with these like recap montages. Yeah. To the point, like clearly and the th- last, you know, like the last two minutes of the movie is just flashing through one frame of the entire movie. Yeah. It's <laughs> like just an entire montage of the whole movie you've just watched. I think that they just didn't trust the audience to be able to put this together, which is really frustrating. Cause like 
people are stupid, but like, come on, this movie's yeah. not that complex. No. It's really just like this is not. post like M Night Shyamalan's mi- millions of twist movies. So if people could handle those, <sighs> yeah, it's just they can frustrating. This. It's frustrating, and I think that I resent the flashbacks more because I have to see everything, even the stuff in the room. I have to see three times and hear in voiceover someone remembering it. Yes, every line of dialogue that happens to be a clue, I like agree. the X marks the spot thing, comes up so many times. Like I just. Have her character fit it, figure something out and don't yeah. make us relive it. I agree. I find it very frustrating. And again, I think that it's more frustrating for the things that work. For um, the previous victim, Amanda, who has a bear trap on her head and relates this in the police station while Carrie Elwes is there. Mm-hmm. Right? All of Some of these cutaways are really good and just handled so clumsily that it makes me resent the way that they've been, been handled. Absolutely. I will say, this might be stepping on your, your toes with trivia a bit, but I it's relevant here. So I did read that part of the montage and the um, they show like surveillance footage and like headline clippings is because when they got to post-production, they realized they hadn't shot enough footage and they, they didn't really have enough to edit together. And so they had to get creative with it. That's so silly. And on one hand... That seems like a thing that some kids right out of film school who are making their first feature would do. On the other, this is a Lionsgate film, and like this is a this is a real movie with yeah. like a real production company and a studio behind it, and you know, someone that's what producers are for. Yeah, right. It, actually, like, it made me think about the chair when um, yeah. they talk about how they're like shoot so much more than you need. If you're a first time director, you have no idea what you're going to need when you get in the editing room or when like you know when you sit down to actually make this movie. So shoot so much yeah as much as you possibly can get everything you can because you're gonna need it when you get into that room we're talking about the showtime reality series the chair by the way highly recommend highly recommend not, not horror you're, but we'll if you're all interested bit. in like basically how independent films are made and have a high tolerance for bullshit it's absolutely a, it's a very very entertaining and informative show anyway yeah i totally agree and i think that like again that explains it but it doesn't make me forgive it no 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 and Again, these are two guys that I generally like. Lee Winnell and James Wan, I don't have beef with. I don't like all their movies. I'm not a huge fan of Insidious, for example. And we could just get right into it. I think Lee Winnell's performance of this is atrocious. Oh, it's so bad. But it's actually so as Carrie was. But I, I like them. I like these two guys in general. And I think that, like, they're interesting and creative. And I'm glad that they came out of Australia and, like, infiltrated the horror establishment. That's cool. Yeah, I agree. And it's cool that they set up an original franchise in The Conjuring. Well... James Wan did. I think that that's cool. I, I wish they'd done a better job with this. I just wish that they'd planned yeah. better, and I wish that they'd written a more... Creative. A, a, a better structured script. It's yeah. more the structure than the creativity for me. Because, again, the dialogue well, is Well, I think that's, that's the problem, is that, like, there is a way to dole out this information and have it really be the same movie and have it be creative, and instead it went about a very uncreative route. It did all of this. It doled out this information in a way that I find uncreative. Not the premise yeah. or the like, just specifically that it's like, oh, how do we get this information to the audience? I know. Just flashback and have the audience and the characters will tell us. Like, that is boring to me. Yeah. How do we show um, that these uh, daughter, the daughter and the mother are being tortured? Oh, let's just flash to the apartment and, and watch it. Yeah. Like, that's not creative. I agree. The picture in the wallet is more is creative. Enough. That's enough for us. We don't need to see them. Even though I do like Monica Potter. Can we talk about the performances? Sure, absolutely. So, my bit about Lee Winnell, who stars in this movie again after having developed and written it, them, like, agreeing to make this movie was conditional on 
Lee Whannell getting to star in it. And I don't... I don't understand it. Because Lee Whannell has not gone on to an illustrious acting career. No. I mean, he's shown up at things. But he is a writer and a director. And he has been very successful behind the camera. I don't know if at this point he just felt such ownership over this character. Or if he just wanted... Like, he was trying to launch an acting career. But he... Both could be true. It, yeah. The thing that it reminded me of is it feels to me that... He went like he's he's taking his acting cues from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Another writer and director who oh likes to act in his own movies and who is atrocious. He like Quentin Tarantino is as an actor is probably the worst part of any given Quentin Tarantino movie. He <laughs> I love that. It's true. It's really frustrating. I, I mean you. the the his part that he gives himself in pulp fiction is infamous for right. for being so horrible and unnecessarily like racist. And the the performance that Lee Whannell gives is so performer y it's, no, and it's like a awkwardly. man who's watched too many movies. That's how I feel about it. But he's like snarky and like he thinks he's the hottest shit in the world. It yeah. sucks. No, I swear. That's that's how I feel about it, is that he wrote it and was like, I, I know better than anyone else how to say these lines that I wrote. Like I'm and I will say this, like I, I write, I love writing. As a writer, uh I say the words out loud when I'm writing them, I like speak the dialogue to myself before I write it. And so if I were writing a screenplay and then actors started auditioning and they were like saying the words, not how I pictured them, I'd be like, no, that's not how I wrote it. And I feel like that's totally Lee Whannell's thing here is like, I have to say these words because I wrote them the way that they're meant to be said. And that he has just watched a lot of movies of how people act. He's not acting like a person. He's acting like a character in a movie. Again, that's how movies are made, my guy. You write a script and you got to hand it over. I and clearly he learned that later on down yeah, the road. Absolutely. But I feel like that's absolutely his right out of film school mindset is like I have to do this character because I'm the only one who knows how to say these lines right. And again, this character is a shithead. I don't think that like it's really obscuring or missing that. It's just that he clearly thinks that he's so cool in the performance. Yes. And it's or that he's like the the best kind of shitty. He's like I'm just Adam, and I'm just in my my shitty little shitbag apartment and my shitty little job. Which and again, I'm so like jaded two thousands, you know, with my cool hair and my cool shirt. And it's just like, oh my god. Be again, quiet. I think Tarantino thinks that about his characters too, right? Like he doesn't cast himself as the hero. Right. He gets cast himself as a as a shithead. a little dirtbag. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like. You're, when you're not acting like a person, two, it sucks that you're in this because you are acting like a cartoon character. Yeah. The thing about the performance in this movie, I don't think that there, I think there's a single good performance in this film. And it's a character we haven't talked about yet. Carrie Elwes, as the real face of the film, as the as the movie star who is in the most of the film, mm-hmm. um, doesn't seem like he gives a shit. I think he's worse than Lee Whannell, actually. I'm going to put it out there. I think that's fair. I mean, the I bar's higher because we've seen him be The good. bar's higher. And he is an actual actor. So, like, yes. But, and it's also, I think, especially by the end, he is more challenged. He cuts his foot off in this movie. We haven't talked about, like, the the ending of this movie. The titular saw. But he does saw his own foot off in this movie. And so then, like, his last little thing that he does is, like, drag himself around. And scream a lot. And scream a lot. And he's losing blood. So his face is just, like, ghost white. And he looks ridiculous it doesn't look scary yeah it doesn't look like oh my god he's dying it's just like you look crazy my man and he's not doing good acting 
he's not really acting very well the whole time. It's just that I think that what he's doing in the beginning works, which is that he's like this buttoned up doctor. I think they should have let him keep his British accent personally. I agree. Like... Yeah, there's so, there's so much accent slippage in this, especially. So much, and I think that, like, what I'm picturing with the British accent is still that kind of, like, perfect, yeah. like, buttoned-up little British man. Uh, I mean, I know I know doctors who are British. It happens. It's fine. People come from they're England. Allowed. They're allowed to be British? Yeah, they're allowed to be British in America and practice medicine. Did you know that? It's no. amazing. Um, so he could just be, like, this British doctor. That's fine. And then it would be, like... It just wouldn't come across so weird. Whenever he says his wife's name, he goes, Ali, Ali. And I'm like, please, you're American. I think Danny Glover really phones it in. Yeah. I think that the other characters who are supporting are just like, I mean, oh, I feel so mean. They're like background TV actors, right? Like they come on Law & Order to say their two lines. Like that's the level of like acting giving here. Except, except Michael Emerson who most people know from... He plays Ben Linus As on Lost. Will, yeah. He's on Person of Interest. He's been on a lot of TV. He's an Emmy Award winner. He plays Zepp, who is an orderly at the hospital that Dr. Gordon works at, and... He's let's... doing exactly his Ben Linus thing. Like, he's kind of looking up with his big eyes, looking a little creepy, a little weird, and you're like, this man is unsettling to me. He's so good. Yeah. And I have a soft spot for him, I will admit, but I think mm-hmm. that he he understood the assignment to copy uh, Twitter parlance. He understood the assignment, <laughs> and... And gave it his all. We should say he is our um, presumed jigsaw for until the very end yeah. of the movie. So Danny Glover has sort of figured out that it's Zep, and eventually Lawrence Gordon figures Which we, it out. We too. only see because Zep is at the apartment with the mother, the mother and the daughter. Yes, we don't actually see him doing any real jigsaw things. But he's, he's watching them. He's on the watching camera. them on the camera. But and then he is menacing the wife and child. Um, but he's not. We don't see any other machinations besides that. Eventually, there's a chase between Danny Glover and, and Michael Emerson, and it's after six, and he didn't kill Adam, and Dr. Gordon didn't kill Adam. So he comes into the, he opens the sliding door, and he comes into the nasty bathroom, and is going to kill them because those are the rules. You didn't, you didn't do what you were asked to do, so it's time for you to die. Adam beats him to death. With the top of the toilet. With the top of the toilet. Finds out that Zepp also had a tape and that he was just doing what Jigsaw, who we know from the voices on the other tapes, was telling him to do. It was uh, just, He was just part of another game. And, yeah, blackmailing him. And so, like, this was set up and being executed as part of another game. What was the, what was the blackmail? I missed that. I mean, I guess he had to be blackmailing him. He's like, you need to uh, kidnap this wife and child. Oh, he's poisoned. Oh, he's poisoned. Right, 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 right. Yeah. There's there's slow-moving poison in your system. Yeah, and so only Jigsaw has I the antidote. antidote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Typical stuff. Are we going to reveal the big twist now? Well, so Dr. Gordon crawls away, right? Yes, he has sawed through, because they're on the phone, mm-hmm. and there's lots of screaming, and that's when he cuts through his leg. But he, he leaves the room. Yes. He gets he out. He does get out. He drags himself out of the room. We don't see what happens to him at no. the end of this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, why don't you tell the audience what you were told and then summarize what happened? Sure. So uh, <laughs> somebody told me the twist when I was in college and that they told me that the man on the ground gets up and shoots them both. So that's what I've gone through my entire life since then thinking is that the whole movie happens and then it doesn't even matter because the man gets up and shoots them and they both die and then he leaves and I think that when this person told me that, that it was it was somehow still tied to that concept of, like, 
it, that was that person's challenge. So I think maybe they were just telling me the uh, Michael Emerson story. They got like they got confused. Yeah. So I think that's probably where that came from. That does not happen. But what does happen is that the man on the ground does get up. But it's at the moment that he himself reveals that he is Jigsaw. Yeah. And also a patient who was being treated by Lawrence. I want you to know, he doesn't reveal that to Adam. That's more flashback uh, right. montage It's stuff. revealed to us. Yes. That that's who he is. And that's like, Zepp knows him. That he has ter- he had terminal cancer. Yeah. And he gives a monologue. His monologue is about how like, you know, people don't appreciate life, but now you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game over. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't shoot at him. He leaves. No, he just he just walks away. He he says the key was in the bathtub. Yeah. Adam realizes that it's long gone, long gone, and that he's just stuck there. And then um, Jigsaw just leaves. Yeah, and he's, he's trapped in that room. Theoretically Turns off forever. the lights. Yeah. 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 Well, not forever. He's gonna die very soon. Sure. He will starve to death. Presumably. He will starve to death. It's only been eight hours. He's not going to starve to death soon. No. He's got a couple days three, of suffering. Three days, yeah. yeah. And that's the end of the movie. So that's more interesting than what you said, because I think that like leaving them, uh, the victim, alive to, quote-unquote, appreciate life for the little time yes. they have left yes. is and cooler he, and, and more interesting. And that he laid there and listened to them the whole time. Yeah. That is that is truly psychotic behavior. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's real fucked up. And, I think and nasty. That, but I think that that's like that's cool to have that like glimpse into him as a character jigsaw that he loves this game so much that he will actually take himself out of it and give himself a front row seat but then not have the ability to interfere that he's like i've set up all the dominoes but he has to fall over but like he can't if something happens with zepp and the wife and child he can do nothing about it right all he can do is sit here and watch this play out until the moment he reveals himself, which I think is cool. Well, and theoretically, I mean, maybe he has a he has a failsafe in his pocket or something, but like the Zep opens the door, right? Could he get out if he decided to stand up and just walk out on his own? Maybe again he has something in his pocket. Yeah. But like Zep opens the door for him to leave. Yeah. Gives him an escape plan. So he's counting on Zep to fulfill the terms of his yeah. game as well. I think it's very interesting. Again, I think it's like it's next level psychotic in a way that again, upon its original release is really exciting that like this, this corpse that's been lying on the floor the whole time is the real killer. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. And they deserve credit for that idea. Agreed. I don't really have any complaints about that. I think the ending of this movie works. I completely agree. Um, yeah, it's really just how it's done filmmaking wise that I have any struggle with. And that's just because I don't agree with most of the choices of the directing of this whole movie. Yeah, let's talk about this briefly and not harp on it too long, but this movie looks like shit. Yeah, it's terrible. And I think it's kind of supposed to because it's it's kind of the aesthetic of the time. I was going to say, it's so 2000s. There's a, I, I love so much. We didn't really talk about any of the traps. Do you um, want to? Sure. Can we just go through them really briefly? I don't want this to become like it did when we were just describing them uh, in um, Insidious. Not Insidious, the other one. Sinister. Um, where we're just describing these horrifying things. Snuff films, yeah. Yeah, but like, I think they're interesting. Uh, and I'll just go over them really, really briefly. The first one we see is a man. He has to crawl through razor wire. He does not make it. Um, the second one we see is a woman, and she has a like bear trap. That's on not her the face. second one. What's the second one? The second one is actually, I think, the most interesting because it's unnecessarily elaborate. Um, it's a man who is naked, and he's in a room of broken glass. Oh yes, with the and... combination of the safe on the wall. Yes, is, is is he also poisoned? No, he's covered in like. No, a... but what? Why does he? What does he need in the safe? I think it's the end of the two of poison. I thought it was just the key to get out. 
of the room. Maybe. Regardless, we can look this up. But he he the combination is on the walls, and the walls are covered in numbers. So he has to try a lot of things. And it's dark in there. But he has he has a single candle, and he's covered in something flammable. So he has to be very careful with the candle, and he has to try all these combinations, which means he has to walk around on broken glass to do so with the candle. And eventually, he uh, lights himself on fire. It's his undoing. Yeah, it's also again it's three levels of complex. That's really interesting. Yes. And then the third one isn't as complex, but it is more fucked up, I would say, that this woman, she has a, like, trap wired onto her upper and lower jaws. The reverse bear trap. Reverse bear trap, because it's going to explode the other way and, like, pry her jaw open and then she'll die. Um, And rip her head off. Rip her head completely, like, explode her head. And uh, the key to this machine is... In the stomach of the per- another person in her Another cell. victim. Yeah, who is, like, lying, we think dead, but he turns out he's unconscious. Um, so then what happens is she has to get out first from, like, the... She's tied to the chair. Yeah. So she has to get out of the chair first. And then and once it's on a she, timer. Well, once she gets out of the chair is when the timer springs. Ah. Because she, you can hear it. It's actually a great moment. She's struggling, struggling, struggling. She gets out, and then she rips. You hear, like, the pin come out of the trap. And that's when the timer starts ticking down and she has to go. She has a scalpel. She like rips open the body of this guy. He's alive. She has to root through his intestines, get the key, unlock it. She throws it off of herself and it explodes like the second that she. But she survives. Yes. She is the, she is the one survivor because she and tells she, her story. And she's more grateful to live life now. She yeah, says she, that Jigsaw saved her. She was a her. disgusting drug addict. He saved her life. Okay. 2004. <laughs> Great optics. Uh, and then just everything in the bathroom. No, well, there's the, the one that they find the guy. And there's, like, the drill that's going towards his head. Oh, that's less interesting because we don't know what the plan was. Correct. So he, he yeah, he's got drills on two either side of his head that are moving towards him. And uh, Jigsaw doesn't get to execute his plan, but basically the key's in a box. We have no sense of how that victim would have had to get the box well, or do anything about it. Well, it's such a funny moment because these cops bust in and they're like, you've been made, we gotcha. And he's like, no, I got you. And then he like starts the drills and he's like, detectives, you have five minutes to find this key. <laughs> like They literally walk into the trap and it's actually really funny. Um, and then of course, like I, I understand that in this situation you wouldn't really know what to do, but it takes this cop way longer than necessary to just take his gun out and shoot the machine to make it stop. Like, are yeah. you gu- are you kidding? I mean, he's panicked. You're looking for the key? You have a gun. It's just so funny. This is me. also when Jigsaw reveals that he's got an Assassin's Creed blade up his his <laughs> wrist for some reason right? and he slashes Danny Glover's well, throat. he is walking around in a fucking robe like an Assassin's Creed. Bro. I mean, when he, he abducts people, he's, he's wearing a like, uh, like pig a mask. animal mask. Yeah, yeah, it's a pig mask with a, with a wig on it. It looks like Miss Piggy. It's very disturbing. It's wild. The reason I brought this up is because uh, every time we see one of these sequences, there's a very, very, very classic 2000 sequence where, like, it's all moving really fast. Do you know what I'm I'm talking about? Where she's, like, shaking her head in the bear trap, the reverse bear trap, and it's just, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Just that really fast, like, rock music, screaming. uh, It's just so unpleasant. It doesn't work for me. It does not convey horror and fear to me I think the way that it is meant to and maybe the way that it even did in that time period it just does not work for me in any in any way shape or form I hear you I find it a little bit charming um from like a nostalgia perspective of like this is what like this hot topic bullshit was like big it's so hot topic you're so and like I have I I have a soft spot for that Watching it in 2021, I was mostly like, this looks bad. It just looks bad, and I wish that other choices were made. I think the problem is, this is like the time in my life when I saw the least horror. 
is like right at this 2004, 2005 yeah. time period. So like, like even by 2008, I was seeing more horror movies in theaters and like as they came out. But at this particular time, I was too young and I was too scared. And so I have no nostalgia or fondness for it. I'm just like, this time in horror was bad and we should move on. On that note, <laughs> should we move on from this movie? No, I have way more things to say. Oh my God. What do you have to say? What I'm could sorry. you possibly have to say? I want to talk about Jigsaw and his little bike. <laughs> Because I also want to say that what I find so interesting about my... And I'm really curious if this carries through um, the franchise. But I have seen Scary Movie 4. And it, I think, like, honestly ruined Saw for me before anything even happened. Because they make fun of Jigsaw so much in that movie. And when Jigsaw, the puppet, right? We see him in this movie with his, like, you, you've seen him before. His little puppet face and his bull, bullseye spiral... Uh, cheeks and I thought we were only going to see him and I was fine with that I was like it's a little weird but it's fine he literally rides in on a little bike uh during the reverse bear trap sequence and it is the most silly and ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life it is like I can't believe that there was any sense of this that was like oh they're gonna get so freaked out this is gonna be so scary they love puppets, though. It's so silly. Juan and Will love puppets. It's fine. They made you a whole movie puppets. about it. I mean, Dead Silence is scary, this. I don't think there's a little puppet on a bike. There could and be, Des- though. I mean, it's it's the bike. It's not the puppet. Puppets are scary. I get that. Dolls are scary. Annabelle is scary. Uh, this puppet on a bike. It's the bike. It really, really threw me for a loop that there's any expectation of that being frightening. My story observation is that they show us this fucking parking garage scene like three times. Oh my God, they do. Where uh, Dr. Gordon gets abducted and they keep adding more information each time. And it's just so indicative of like, again, that doesn't feel like uh, they ran out of footage. It feels like that's how they structured is like, we get a little bit more information each time. So you're shocked by the reveals. And it's wasn't. just stupid. And also, so silly. you're making me watch Carrie Elwes walk like down this like parking garage so many times it's, it's just yeah it sucks all of the fear and anxiety from it and just, the repetition of this movie is just too much yeah i completely agree i have some trivia for you oh yeah um yeah how I, much really hopefully int- not too much four four facts that's a lot it's not uh they're quick two of them are two of them make this movie worse and two of them make this movie better but worse because things we've already discussed um complex yeah we'll, we'll get there um the Two of the things we've already actually praised, which I find interesting, that I like... I already said that I liked it when they were kind of opening up the world of this room, but the, there's a glow-in-the-dark X on the wall at one point, and they're like, oh, turn off the lights, turn off the lights. Oh, there's this... The X marks the spot. There it is on the wall. And I read in the trivia here, the glow-in-the-dark X painted on the wall in the scene when lights are turned off was, in fact, a light projection of an X, of an X shape. And I was like, yeah. No shit. That's what it looks like. And it looks like shit. Yeah. Just buy some fucking glow-in-the-dark tape. I don't understand how that's hard. There's no way it's more expensive than a light projector. I just... It looks like shit. It Can we talk about mad. that sequence specifically? Just to continue. We said we were going to dunk on this movie, and yeah, that's all we've done. I want to dunk. Um, they're talking in the dark, and uh, Adam says something like, oh, it's a, it must be glow-in-the-dark paint or something. And you can see clearly that it's been 80-yard because his mouth is not moving oh to say those. It's so bad. It's so blatant. It's so bad. Uh, related in the scene where they turn off the lights, not for this one, but the later one where they talk during it to like trick Jigsaw. Um, the scene was written differently in the script. Their characters were to cut open opposite ends of a large pipe with their hacksaws and speak through it. 
The sequence was later cut because director James Wan decided the characters being able to cut through a pipe made no sense if they could not cut through their chains. I find this so funny. I just think this is the funniest thing that Lee Winnell was like, I know it'll be so sick. They're going to use their saws and cut through a pipe. And then like literally (laughs) the pipe. And then James Wan being like, no, that didn't make any sense because these saws can't cut through metal, man. And then just being like, oh no, what are we going to do? Like That's just so funny to me. Oh, that's good. My next two trivia facts are specifically about foreshadowing and they're good. And I wish that they focused on this in the movie and not showing us, as you said, the same scene a million times be like, oh, did you notice that? So um, in the scene where John, who he later realized is uh, Jigsaw, he wouldn't call him the Zodiac killer, um, laying in the hospital bed, there's a small object in his hand. This object is the pen light stolen from Dr. Gordon, which was later planted to Im- incriminate him. Very good. Yeah, no shit. Very good. I didn't, I didn't see that. Did you see that? Uh, they don't focus on it. That's what I'm no, saying. I don't, I think that's done because I don't think it matters. I think it's real obvious as soon as you find out the Zep thing, like what's going on there. Sure. But it's in that moment. Sure. It's a moment that we saw that he's standing there, one, insulting him, right? Yeah. They're like treating, I mean, that's one of the reasons this happens is because they're treating John as a patient very inhumanely. Yeah, sure, also, sure. I read this, I didn't see this if this was true. I didn't see if any of these were true, but also apparently the reverse bear trap plans are like on the table uh, when they're in there. Ooh, Easter eggs. That's, that's what I'm reading you. This is trivia. Okay. Also, uh, as Lawrence is loading the cartridge into the revolver to shoot Adam, which we do see a little bit later on, the camera shows that all six chambers of the cylinder are empty, but revolvers don't eject spent cartridges. Oh my God. So Fuck this. What? I'm telling you, this is fun information. Okay. So it, like, it's foreshadowing because it means that he didn't actually use the gun to shoot himself. Uh, I guess. That's like movie details. Like It's fun. Okay. I'm telling I. That is Do you t- feel like that was on purpose? I don't know. That's what I'm not sure of. It could be and it could not be. Either way, it is fun and it is it is a f- good piece of foreshadowing if it was on purpose. It feels it- like those YouTube continuity error nitpick, nitpick people. Like, Well, that's the thing. If you think it was not on purpose, then it's nitpicking. If you think it was on purpose, it's really good foreshadowing. So you can choose whichever one you want to believe. Uh, I just think it's funny that there are these good Easter eggs in there when... There were other things that they they decided to show us a million thousand times that are stupid twists when these good twists also exist. Yeah, I hear you. Are you ready to root through each other's stomachs to find the key? Ew. Sure. So let's talk about the puppet in the room. This coming weekend, upon this episode's release, the ninth Saw film, Spiral from the Book of Saw, Directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who directed Saws 2 through 4, I believe, starring Chris Rock, is coming out in theaters. Why isn't it from the book of Jigsaw? I don't Let's talk about that once we've seen it. I have no, <laughs> no idea. I just think it's funny from the book of Saw. I have no idea. Uh, I also don't really know this film's relation to this franchise in general because I've only seen Saw 2 and don't really remember very well. So I am curious to see one. If Spiral turns out to be any good, because the trailers look pretty good. Mm-hmm. We are both vaccinated. We will be going to see it in theaters. Yep. If you are able to do that where you are and you can do so safely, we would love to encourage you to go see movies in theaters because movie theaters need it. Yeah, they do. Real bad. Uh, obviously, I do so if you are safe and mm-hmm. you're not going to expose anyone in your family to undue risk or, yeah. or surroundings. Or anyone else. Yeah, or like work. Yep. But that's coming out. 
and neither of us have seen the Saw franchise. So we were thinking nothing, yeah. that we would do that. We would marathon the Saw franchise. We had this idea before watching Saw for this episode. Yeah. So I'm not super excited, but I do, as I said in the beginning of this episode, I do want to have more of a sense of the franchise and I like the idea that we could at least visit the films of the director of the new one. Yeah. Which is two through four, as you said, yes. I believe so. Yeah. And I don't know if people have liked in the past, if listeners have liked when we've talked about franchises as a film. We've done it with Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, Friday the 13th, where, I mean, we didn't talk about each film individually, and we probably won't in this case. But we give sort of an overview of, like, which are the best ones, Mm -hmm. you know, what works and what doesn't, what the differences are. I love those kinds of conversations. It's why we have a horror podcast. We love to have them. So I think that's our plan for our next episode will be both talking about the Saw franchise or at least as much of the Saw franchise as we could bear. Yeah. Because I do know that this first one is widely regarded as the best or one of the best. And really worries me. We were a little underwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see how far we make it. But our goal is to talk about the Saw franchise and to talk about Spiral, which again is a new release. It's exciting. Uh, we'll try to silo that in the episode so that people who haven't had a chance to see it don't have to be spoiled for it. Mm-hmm. But if you can't go see Spiral and want to hear us talk about it, that's coming. Yep. We're hoping to do that in the next week or so. Uh, have that come out. It'll be very exciting. Yes. And then... And then our 100th episode. No screaming. Episode 100! 100th episode. Oh, my goodness. It's been such a long time coming. It's been a very long... It's about 100 episodes coming. Yeah. More if you count our recent Screams that's episodes. That's true. I don't want to spoil too much what we have planned for that. We've got some fun ideas. We're not going to focus on one movie in particular, so we're mm-hmm. not going to be rolling the roulette this time. Uh, but after that, we may go back to the roulette or someone's recommendation. But I'll save some of the sappy stuff for then. But if Absolutely. if you've been listening to us for any length of time, thank you. Uh, it's really exciting that we made it to 100 episodes. It or really We're is. about to make it to 100 episodes. Um, or I guess 100 numbered episodes. Because again, we just told you we were planning on having a Saw episode come out <laughs> right. that's like 99.5. 100 like, episode episodes. It'll be like 110 or something. Yeah. But like, you know, 100 like full episodes. I don't know. Yeah, it's exciting. We're, we'll, we have some stuff planned. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I'm excited for Spiral. Despite, this movie did not kill my excitement to go see a, a big horror movie in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. That's a delightful experience and hopefully audiences will turn up and hopefully movie theaters are about to make a comeback yeah. and people really just can't wait to see a new Saw Ugh. movie. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea the finances of these sequels. Is they- it also coming out on streaming around the same time? Like, I feel like we're, we're beginning to see that, right? Where movies drop in the theater and on like HBO Max on the same day. I believe that it is going to be a theater-only release. Yeah, because it's Lionsgate, so I don't know who... Has the rights to that. No, I mean, they don't have a streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that that is coming out on streaming, unfortunately. But I don't know. Yeah, well, I hope as many people who can see it safely and want to yeah. see it can see it. And we'll keep you updated, right? Like, if they... The time we're recording this, that's a little while away. So if they end up announcing a VOD plan, mm-hmm. we can talk about it on that episode. Absolutely. But... If you're able to see Spiral this weekend, go do it. Go do it just on principle, unless you really hate the Saw movies. Yeah. If you hate the Saw movies more than us, you probably shouldn't. Right. But I think this is fine. I think I Saw's so fine. Too. I like. I don't. I didn't hate this movie. I have so many frustrations. I was a little charmed by it, but like, this is a fine movie. This is not one of the worst movies you've done for the podcast. Yeah. It was also 17 years ago, so like, yeah, like we've discussed. We forgive some of the stuff from it, you know. And if it wasn't as big as it was, I probably would be less hard on it. Because here's the thing: you and everyone should go watch. Go watch Cube. I, we talked about it in our. Um, Hooptober 
thing, I, I believe. I think so, If yeah. we didn't, I meant to. No, we didn't. Uh, which is a similar sort of like... Because we watched Cube 1 and Cube 2. Hypercube. Yes. Uh, a sort of a puzzle structure of like strangers wake up and they have to solve a puzzle and there's gore. And Cube was six years earlier and done with a third of the budget. And, and I like about it. 25 million times more creative and interesting. Yeah. So go watch Cube if you don't like Saw. And if you don't like either of them, I mean, that's fine. That's understandable. This is a, yeah. this kind of movies aren't for everyone. Yeah. Watch the game. I, okay. Yeah. Go watch <laughs> David Fincher's The Game. I don't see how that's relevant. You but don't like, see how that's relevant at all? That's not really a horror movie, but like... It, it, no, but it kind of is sometimes. Go watch David Fincher's The Game for sure. Yeah. It's a great movie. Any other wrecks? No. Any other film wrecks? <laughs> no. <laughs> Can I tell you something really embarrassing? What would you like to tell me? I just, I just now, I'm sure I had this thought before, but not whilst watching the movie and not until this moment um, recording this podcast, I did not think about Jigsaw and Saw. Like, I just didn't think about it. I didn't think about Puzzle and Saw and Jigsaw. Sorry, what do you mean? That That Saw is like the second part of Jigsaw. And that Jigsaw is the name of the killer. And that Jigsaw is also a puzzle. And this is a puzzle that has to do with saws. Sorry. So it's been 17 yeah. years and you just realized <laughs> that? I was saying, I must have realized it before. I'm sure that in thinking of the Saw movies, I had this thought like, oh, oh, Jigsaw. I get it. Like, oh, like a saw and also like a puzzle. Um, but it was not until you said from the book of Saw and I said, oh, like, why is it from the book of Jigsaw that I was like, oh, Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> wow you learn something new every day hey, you really do you really do don't be afraid to learn never stop learning thank you i'm really proud of myself <laughs> i'm impressed thanks on that note be sure to check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com and on twitter and facebook at nowscreaming be sure to leave us a like and a review and share any uh interesting horror movie revelations you've had 15 years later <laughs> with us on Twitter. We love to hear them. I would love to feel less stupid. So if you have a stupid, embarrassing thing that you only just understood, please reach out to me because I need solidarity. Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven and to David Fincher, who I'm realizing now in making both Seven and The Game just, like, set up everything this movie needed. Yeah, like Absolutely just totally bodied this movie like mm -hmm. in advance of it existing. Why do we keep bringing up Seven on this podcast? I like, like when, didn't we just bring up how Kevin Spacey plays that guy yeah. as opposed to another villain in we watched? I mean, you don't feel like it's an apt comparison to Saw? It absolutely Seven is. is so much like It Saw. absolutely is. I mean, I think that, like there's just a lot there that set up how people wanted to tell horror stories in the years following. I really think that that's true. People were like, we want to see crimes done for like really specific reasons like the seven deadly sins or your sins specifically or blah, 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 blah. And it better like, have a filter over it and fluorescent lights. I mean, that's Brian Fuller's Hannibal, isn't it? Like, that's really a lot of the vibes of that show as well. Like, there's a lot that Seven has given us in culture. Great movie. I love it. Shout out to David Fincher. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. Stay spooky.